Hey everyone, welcome back to Sports Arty Snippets, episode 35. Do I even know 35 people? I mean, it's so weird. I, it's episode 35, last episode in June. Our summer series is still going strong. You'll get episodes every two weeks, but it's so funny doing every two weeks. I feel like I just haven't been here in a while, so it's good to be back. But yeah, super excited for today's episode. But before we we dive into the episode, I know we've been talking a lot about Momentus for the past few weeks, including their grass-fed whey protein and their collagen, but we haven't talked much about their plant-based protein yet. If you and your client have a need for plant protein, we all know it's not easy to find a product that actually tastes good. When we're talking about protein powders in general, we're all looking for formulas that provide a full amino acid profile, high quality ingredients that are free of fillers, and a powder that tastes great. Well, Momentus has our back. Their mix of pea and rice protein provides all nine essential amino acids and is incredibly gentle on the stomach. Their formula is NSF certified for sport, which we all know is a must. Their plant flavors also mix really well and taste amazing. In fact, their vanilla chai protein powder is now a bestseller, and I'm actually drinking it right now. I was trying to get into the spirit of um, this, and um, it's amazing. So if you'd like to try the Momentous plant-based protein or any of their products as an RD Snippet listener, you can get free samples from the team. Just visit livemomentous.com slash professional dash team. Scroll all the way down to submit your email and they'll get back to you with free samples and any info on their products. Keep in mind, all recommendations on this podcast are made in my personal capacity and no recommendations on this podcast are made in the context of my professional employment. Thank you so much to Momentous for sponsoring this episode and super excited to meet our guest. Let's go. New RD, Jackie, I would tell her to feel the fear and do it anyway. You just got to go. Hey, everyone, and welcome to Sports RD Snippets. I'm Liz Waluka, a registered dietitian and board-certified specialist in sports dietetics. Every Wednesday, I'll be bringing you a sports dietitian guest that will share advice, insight, and rewards of the profession, snippets of their own career path to becoming a sports RD. Hi, everyone. I'm super excited to have Jackie Barcel today on the podcast. Jackie has incredible advice for up-and-coming sports dietitians and new directors managing a team for the very first time, as well as advice for second-career sports dietitians. If you're listening today, there is something for everyone in this episode. Jackie Barcel is the head of nutrition at IMG Academy in Bradenton, Florida. In her role, she leads a team of dietitians who help maximize student-athlete performance by equipping them with knowledge and resources to fuel themselves for now and the future. In addition to working with middle and high schoolers, Jackie works with campers, collegiate, and pro athletes, as well as corporate groups. Jackie always knew she wanted to make an impact on high school athletes, having not been exposed to nutrition information as a teenager. Prior to IMG, Jackie attended the University of Wyoming, where she was a graduate assistant in athletics while pursuing a master's. Before Wyoming, Jackie was a member of the inaugural Gatorade Sports Nutrition Immersion Program, SNP, at the University of Alabama in 2013. Jackie was awarded the CPSTA Service Award at the annual conference in 2019 for her contributions and service to the field. 
A native of California, her passion for sports nutrition emerged during her time competing in Division II softball at California State University, Stanislaus, where she earned a bachelor's in business administration finance. She continued her education at CSU Sacramento, earning a second bachelor's degree in dietetics and completed her dietetic internship at Fresno State. Let's jump in and let's meet Jackie. Hey, Jackie, welcome to the podcast. Hey, Liz, thanks. So great to be here. I've been listening all season for, for the last two seasons and just excited to talk and give some perspective and, and share my story. I'm excited to have you on. Jackie and I were just talking before this that we feel like we talk all the time. So it's funny that it's like we're literally recording this right now. Yep, I'm going to tell you my life story all over again. We can't wait. All right, so Jackie, can you can you set the scene for us? Where are you right now? Um, what's your days like today? Just kind of set the scene. It's raining in Connecticut right now, but is it sunny in Florida? It is. It's the low is like 70 degrees. Oh. Um, so I'm actually in my office right now and very fortunate to have a great view. So my office actually looks over baseball fields, lacrosse fields, football fields. And so I get a nice view of the facilities. Um, but yeah, it is hot and it's heating up quick. So it's getting humid. We are, we are ready for summer. And I think tomorrow technically kicks off hurricane season. So, you know, that's <laughs> that always, seem like it's something to look forward to. <laughs> yeah, that's always, but yeah, it's really quiet right now. Our kids, um, school finished last week. And so this is kind of a transition week in between full-time year and summer camps. So it's pretty quiet right now, which is, which is nice. It is nice when it's quiet. You're like, now what? What do we do? Yeah. Soon to change. Um, like to start these episodes off with how we know each other. So I was just thinking back. I think so. You presented about Gatorade and your SNP experience in Scottsdale, right? Yes. Okay. Yeah, okay. one of those. Kind. They're all blending together. Yeah. And so I then the next year. I got to present on the same topic. And I remember I reached out to you and I was like, hey, Jackie, like, because I didn't know you, right? I must have not known you. No, I, I didn't know you at all. And I see this email come through from Liz and I'm like, whoa, whoa. like, how do you pronounce her last name? And it was so funny. So yeah, I think you reached out just, you know, asking what I did or for tips or, hey, could you yeah. share, you know, your presentation and um, yeah. Yeah. And then in Indianapolis, I came up to you and was like, hi, Jackie, I'm Liz, the girl who sent you the email. Yeah. And it, it was so cool. That experience, I don't know for you, but like for me to be able to share my my SNP story and, and being part of the first year's class, which I'm sure we'll talk about too. But um, I mean, what a cool experience to just share our experience and that we were both so different too. That's funny that you brought that up because that was the first time that I actually like spoke in public that wasn't like a team talk, which sounds really funny, but like when you become an RD, like I feel like it's like, oh, like you, you, you want the job and all you're thinking about is like getting the job, but you don't think about like public speak. I don't know if you want to call it public speaking or like presentations. I've just never yeah. thought about that. And then that was the first time I spoke in front of, I don't know how many people were there, but it was probably at least a hundred, I mean, 200. I don't know how many people are oh, there. Yeah, for sure. And it was my, it was my first experience too, really, oh, really one speaking on that type of stage, but then also there, there's something different about speaking in front of your peers than speaking to a group of 15 year old teenagers who could probably care less or know, know nothing about what you're talking about. Um, but yeah, great learning experience. So 
And then the year after we both went to the Super Bowl from Gatorade. Yes. I, I feel like we could do a whole podcast just on the Super Bowl and get Kelly Rossi and Rob Masterson on and just talk about our Super Bowl experience. No one wants to hear about it again. No, I'm just no, kidding. But we'll have our own podcast. Shout out to Gatorade for our lifetime events. <laughs> yep. All right. So let's jump in. Can you take us to your career path up until this point where you started and where you are today? Yeah. So um, it, it's been, you know, quite the adventure, quite the journey. I, like many others on this podcast um, and just dietitians in general, like nutrition was almost a second career path for me. So kind of backing up, I was born and raised in California. I spent a majority of my life there. I uh, didn't really move around a lot, moved around a lot within the state, but I uh, didn't really venture out too much. And, um, you know, I played sports. I was always active, uh, but knew nothing about nutrition. I mean, it was basically you just eating was like an event. And I didn't know, I didn't know that like food had nutrients in it and vitamins and minerals and that it actually kept us alive. And I know that seems like hard to believe nowadays because you feel like those nutrition messages are just everywhere. Right. Um, and you know, even kids now are getting bombarded with nutrition messages too. Some really great, some, some not so great. And looking back, I feel kind of fortunate that I really knew nothing about nutrition and that food was just something that I ate. But, um, I mean, yeah, I like to say when I'm kind of explaining what I ate, like, you know, as a kid, if it didn't come out of a box or a drive-through, I probably didn't eat it. We had like one maybe home cooked meal a night. Um, and that was usually like Sunday dinners. Uh, everything else was McDonald's probably six, seven times a week. Sometimes we would go twice a day. Oh my and my mom hated to cook and my dad, my dad actually loved to cook, but he was, you know, working during the day and my mom owns her own business. So she had some flexibility, but she hated cooking. So it was like drive through, drive through, drive through all the time. So anyway, um, basically that was to say, like, I knew nothing about nutrition and it wasn't, gosh, it wasn't until college that I picked up my first nutrition book. So uh, coming out of high school, I had no idea what I wanted to do. I knew I loved math. I knew I loved sports and I really enjoyed helping people. Um, so I actually thought at one point that I was going to be a high school algebra teacher and then um, coach, coach softball. So I grew up playing a lot of sports, soccer and softball were my two primary sports. And so going into college, I actually thought about majoring in math. And then I looked at all the math classes and I was like, I love it, but all these other classes, not too fond of. So you know how they set a date to where you have to declare um, yeah. in college? Like you have a certain amount of time to be undeclared. Um, at least at my college, I, I did. I waited till probably like the week before that date to declare because I literally had no idea what I wanted to do. Uh, I played uh, Division II college softball at a small school, Cal State Stanislaus in Turlock, California, which is just north of Fresno, kind of in the heart of the Central Valley. And so play college softball. Um, and then I ended up picking business finance as my major. I figured, you know, you can't really go wrong with a business degree and I love math. So let's con let's do a concentration in finance. And with about six classes left, I think, in my degree, I picked up my nutrition book, like a nutrition book for the first time. I think I was like on a family vacation 
you know, to Chicago or something. And I picked it up in the airport and I was like, eh, this will be something to read while I'm on the airplane. And it was just on vitamins and minerals and like basic nutrients. And I was just like mind blown, right? Like, whoa, you mean that banana I eat actually, or I ate actually has something in it. And this whole concept of how nutrition or how food impacts your health and wellness and, you know, just, you know, general health and performance was something, it was a concept that never hit me before. Like I was so unaware. Uh, so long story short, ended up finishing four year, my four years of eligibility as uh, playing softball, um, finished my business finance degree. Uh, I, I started it. I was in it. I only had six classes left and I knew I would regret it if, if I hadn't finished that because I'm very much someone who likes to finish what they started. So um, after I got done playing, I was very fortunate. My parents were so supportive during this process that they let me move back home with them, which at 22, almost 22 was not exactly in the game plan to move back home with mom and dad, but uh, they live just north of Sacramento. So that's pretty much where I grew up. And so moved back home. I went to junior college for a couple of years just to get some of that general ed out of the way because there was no overlap between business finance and nutrition. So here I am 22 years old. I'm living home with mom and dad and I'm going to a junior college with a bunch of like 17, 18 year olds who just graduated high school thinking to myself, oh my gosh, is this really what I want to do? Like, is this worth it? Should I just go pursue finance? Right. I already have that degree. Maybe I should just do that. Um, but I knew that I wanted to choose a job that I really loved and enjoyed. And so, and my parents, like I said, were very supportive of that too. And so I went there and then I went to Sacramento State for about two more years to get my uh, bachelor's in dietetics. Then from there, I you know, went through that fun process of applying to DIs. I actually applied to nine dietetic internships and it was quite the undertaking. Uh, I really didn't know much about the process, how to do it. Um, you know, I know Jenny Westerkamp has, you know, her all access, well, now it's all access dietetics. It was all access internships. And I think this was back in 2013, I think that I, or 2012 that I was applying. And so there, it was, I think there was like a website, but not much more. And it's so, it's so incredible to see how that's uh, really grown over the years too. Um, but applied to nine DIs, ended up getting matched to the Fresno State uh, internship program. So went there um, and that, that program was so unique. We actually, we had about 20 different rotations uh, during that internship. And so basically Tuesday through Friday, we went to one location and then that next week we would go to a new location. And sometimes you would be with one RD, sometimes you would be with three or four RDs. And so, you know, I only bring that up because, you know, talk about learning to be adaptable and flexible and, you know, coming out of your undergrad, it's, okay, this is how you document, this is how you chart, like this, these are the calculations you use. And then when I got to the internship, it was, oh my gosh, like I was just with this RD and she's documenting this way. And then I'm with another RD and she's doing it this way. Wait, what's going on here? Is, is it okay to like, 
vary from you know what we're supposed to be doing and it, it just showed that like everyone has their own unique style depending on their location and I think that can transfer to a lot of different areas in our field too so after I got done with the um, DI I actually got to uh, cover for one of my preceptors she was going coincidentally I feel like timing has just worked out really well for me um, once the DI finished but uh, one of my preceptors during the internship Kim Terrapelli she was at a physical fitness um, and, and physical therapy and fitness slash training facility um, and she was also the consultant for Fresno State at the time um, she was going on maternity leave literally right after I finished my DI and I remember walking into that rotation that I had with her and she had a huge Erlacher jersey on the, on the wall. And for those of you that don't know me, even though I grew up in California, both my parents grew up just outside of Chicago. So huge Chicago sports fan. And I just remember going into my rotation with her thinking, man, I got to be friends with this lady. And lo and behold, at the end of the internship, she'd be going on maternity leave and offered me to cover her while she was away. And so I was able to work there um, for about five, six months. And then once I finished uh, that role, I was able to get another part-time position up in Sacramento. So again, here now I'm like 23, 24 and moving back home with mom and dad again, after living away in Fresno, um, moved back home and worked part-time at a country club. Um, that also was more like they had a wellness spa and they also had elite tennis athletes and elite swim athletes. So this was like my first, one of my first experiences working with elite high school athletes. I got a little experience um, while working in Fresno covering for Kim, but uh, this was another unique experience and did more of like the general wellness type. And then during my time there, actually, I went to my first CPSDA conference, and that was in, C in uh, St. Louis, Missouri. And actually, Kim was supposed to go. Um, and we were supposed to head out there together. For some reason, she couldn't. And so I ended up going alone to my first CPSDA conference. I did not know a single person there. Um, and so it was just, it was nerve wracking, to say the least, right? Like, the only two people I knew in sports nutrition was Kim and then Jenny Westerkamp, and that's it. And so I didn't know a single person at this conference. And for any of you like new RDs listening or people who are maybe hesitant to go to CPSDA because you're just nervous or you're afraid to go alone, just go. It, just go. It's one of the best experiences, um, an incredible you know, organization, obviously. So thankful for them and all they've done. Um, but yeah, so I went to CPSDA and that's actually where I heard about the SNP program, which I think we'll, we can talk about a little bit more um, and applied to the SNP and then got matched at Alabama. Um, and then right as I was finishing my SNP, uh, got, you know, saw a posting for a GA position at the University of Wyoming. And so here I am, a California girl go to Alabama, spend about four or five months there, and then finish that, and then go to Wyoming, two places I never would have thought I'd live in my, in my life. Um, Wyoming was definitely experience, um, and then once I finished at Wyoming, as I was finishing up a position posted here 
at IMG Academy for the head of nutrition. And I actually didn't get it first time around. So I think the position posted around March and I applied right away because I knew I was going to be finishing up my master's pretty soon and didn't hear back for probably five months. And it what's so, so ironic is that summer in July when they had the SNP kickoff for that year, it was actually at IMG Academy. And so I got actually flown to IMG to talk to the incoming class. Uh, I think this was like the year after, the two, two years after I had finished my SNP. And so I'd been here and I was like, man, I wonder who they selected for their head of nutrition. And um, then left, left, I know it was so coincidental, left. And then all of a sudden, I want to say it was around August or September, got a call from the director here saying, hey, I saw you applied back in March for the position. Are you still interested? And so interviewed, um, went through that, that whole process. And yeah, so I've been here since December of 2015. So five and a half going on six years now. And it's been quite the whirlwind, but, you know, to go from, you know, DI to part-time work to SNP to the GA. And then here it's, it's been amazing and it's been a really great fit. Um, and yeah, just enjoying it and, and learning everything there is to, to be about, you know, how to be a manager and manage a team. That's, that, that's been a learning experience in itself. Wow. It is amazing because I feel like there's been so many people on the podcast and like, I think people just think, you know, when someone goes out for a job that they always get it, but you're like the 10th part, you know, we've all didn't get it the first time. Like, so it's just really cool to kind of hear that whenever you don't get something the first time, like don't take it personally or like mm -hmm. it will come back around if it's meant to be, but it's just so interesting because none of us, you don't talk about it, but now we've all been able to talk about it. So it is kind of cool to see, you know, we wouldn't have known that, but we've all, right. kind of, we all kind of have the same experience, but people just don't talk about it, you know? Right. You're not going to post, like we <laughs> see the posting, Hey, I just got this new job. No one says, Hey, I just applied to 10 places and got denied by 10. Right. No one's, no one's out there posting it on social media, but I think that's so, so important. And like you said, the timing, if it's right, will work out because looking back, had I been interviewed in March, mm -hmm. I wasn't set to finish my master's until December. And so maybe they did feel like I was the best fit in March, like say that would have happened. I would have had to ask them to either wait like what, eight months for me to finish my master's. Um, or I would have had to stop my master's and try to do it here or figure out something else. So the fact that I didn't even get interviewed till later, really, it, it honestly worked out for the best. And I think that, you know, anyone going through that challenge, especially right now coming off this crazy year with, with jobs and everything like, things will work out. Things are going to be okay. Like put in the, put in the work, put yourself out there, make the effort and what's meant to be will be, and try not to put so much pressure on yourself to have things happen right away. Cause you'll end up where you're supposed to. I agree. What about, um, I always forget you were a business major before you became an RD. What, what like advice do you have for second career dietitians? Cause I, I know there's probably a bunch that listen, but I always, I feel like you guys have an extra skill set and can you just kind of like give everyone confidence listening if you're a second? Yes. So gosh, <laughs> that was one of the hardest, but then also one of the easiest decisions I've made. It was really hard because, you know, I was getting some 
you know, outside noise of, are you sure you want to do this? You know, it's going to be a lot more schooling and you're not going to get paid as much. Like just go into finance, you'll make so much more money. And, you know, I was hearing that from some people, but at the end of the day, I really wanted to just be happy where I was. And it's tough, right? It's tough. Like I was that person going into college, I'm going to school for four years and then I'm done. And, and so for me to be like on the 10 year program, but at the end of the day, you just have to figure out like what you want to get out of your life. Um, and it wasn't a waste of time. I think that's the biggest takeaway is that whatever you learned in your previous career or major, like you, there's transferable skills, right? We learn that all the time. And I have to actually catch myself sometimes being um, maybe too critical on like how people write emails or resume building or um, you know, how to have a professional conversation, you know, those are little things like spelling, like stuff like that. I learned in business school, like I learned through my business major, how to do Excel, right? Like I came out of, of my business degree, knowing how to do Excel and how to do blast emails. And, you know, what does a professional email look like? Because those were things that we practiced, um, and then I was wondering, I was like, why, how do I know how to use this? And then also being a finance major, Excel is something that we use all the time. We're like, oh yeah, I actually learned that during business school. That wasn't something I learned when I was doing nutrition. And so, yeah, I think it, it has been really helpful, um, you know, especially being a manager now and trying to figure out how to manage a department you know, we had to do business plans and missions and visions. And that's something that I had experience with before. So, you know, whether it was a, a business major or something else, you can always utilize those skills and, and find ways to use them as a dietitian. Yeah, no, I find sometimes people will kind of, or if I'm talking to someone and they're telling me they're like a second career and they're just feeling like anxious or nervous or feeling like they're behind, I always want to be like, you have an extra skill set that will probably benefit you later. But I can totally understand, you know, I've I've never been in that position because I've only been a nutrition major, but I can see how it can be like nerve wracking. Like I'm so behind, but really you have like this secret weapon that is only going to make you a better dietitian. I think of whatever your, you know, previous major was. Yeah. And I think it helped me in the interview process too. Like, I think that was very helpful going into applications, just having that on my resume. Yeah. So you were in the very first SNP class. What year was that? 2013 or 14? Or when did that start? Yeah, 2013. August of 2013 um, was when I started. Geez. So when you look back, I mean, the program has changed so much since then. You know, what did you learn about yourself or just kind of take people through like that experience of being the first SNP class? Yeah. So as I mentioned, you know, I think I mentioned before, I heard about the SNPs at Missouri you know, at the CPSDA conference in Missouri. And I just remember being in the back of the room because I knew nobody. I was trying not to be seen, right? I, I was trying to hide. Um, and, and so I was literally in the back row. And it, you know how they have the sponsor remarks like in between sessions? Yeah. So someone from Gatorade came up and was talking about this new program that they were developing and they weren't exactly sure what it was going to look like they, they were going to have like five or six you know positions open and they were going to place them somewhere throughout the country but they weren't really sure if you wanted more information just be on the lookout for a post and my I, I remember I was looking down at my 
I don't know, my binder, whatever I was taking notes in and remember looking up and my eyes just must have gotten so big. And I literally thought to myself, I vividly remember this. I told myself, I have to get one of those positions. I have to. And again, I, th I think I felt some pressure too, being a second career dietitian and knowing I hadn't had nutrition experience mm -hmm. or, or a lot of it leading up to that, that I really needed more guidance. I needed, I needed to be immersed, right? And so when I heard this, I said, I, ha I have to, I have to get one of these positions. I was like, there's only six, but I'm going to get one. And so when they finally posted, um, I applied to all six. Uh, it, you know, now obviously it's expanded to 10 and it's funny because I actually ranked, I, I mean, I got matched to Alabama, but I actually ranked Alabama last. So funny. I know. And then my top two were the Denver Broncos and IMG Academy. And th those were my top two. So, and then everyone else kind of like fell in between of the rankings. And I think during the interview process, I interviewed with IMG and um, actually UNC and then Alabama. And I remember Amy Bragg telling me during the interviews, you know, Jackie, I think you need Alabama. I think you need this experience. I think, you know, IMG or, or any other ones, would, it would be too comfortable. I think Alabama is what you need and it's what's going to stretch you, right? And oh my gosh, hands down 100%. I, I needed Alabama. I needed that experience. And, you know, that was something in itself just taking this California girl who one didn't watch college sports you know I grew up watching pro sports so I was like growing up and I, I can't believe I'm saying this but you know why would you watch college athletes when you can watch pro athletes right and that was just like how I grew up and so to take this California girl and put her in the south in Alabama in a department that or a, you know an established sports nutrition pro, uh, department and also just an incredible athletics department because I mean I went to division two school in, in central California pretty much middle of nowhere right I was like basically in Cowtown at the time and I didn't even know what an athletic trainer was and um, to see these facilities and the passion and I mean just how much that city and the people just love athletics. I had no idea what I was getting into, to be honest. And so I learned, you know, so much during that time. Um, I learned that I knew nothing about college sports. I knew nothing about the South. Um, I knew that, you know, looking back, I probably shouldn't have brought my brown or not my brown, my, my blue and orange Chicago Bears blanket to Tuscaloosa, Alabama, where it's crimson red. It's not orange and blue, right? And I literally had to hide that thing during my whole um, snip. Uh, it was like, I saw it sneaking under the window one time. I was like, some, some Bama fan is going to think I'm an Auburn fan and that's not going to be okay. Um, and, you know, just learning about that rivalry was fun too. So, you know, I learned so much just about, you know, what, what does a sports nutrition program even look like? Like what does a sports dietitian do? How does the interdisciplinary team work together? How do you meet the needs of 
a team and the student, you know, the student athletes. Um, so yeah, it was, it was such a great learning experience and so grateful because, you know, I think if I had applied, if I had applied now with my credentials and my experience, you know, that I had then, there's no way I would have gotten matched, right? Like it has become so competitive and it has grown so much. And, you know, there's a lot more structure within the program. Um, it's just been, it's been amazing to see that program grow. And I think I've really valued being able to talk about my experience to other uh, SNP fellows and future SNP fellows and really providing guidance. I mean, now I feel like my story is kind of outdated because it's been, what, almost eight years since I've done it and it's changed so much. Um, well, I'm laughing. Yeah, just, I'm laughing because, yeah, if anyone wants to apply to SNP, make sure you watch college sports before you apply. Seriously. And, you know, looking back, that was probably my biggest regret, right? Like, so Amy Bragg sent me some stuff, like, go look at the athletics website, go look, you know, um, you know, I watched the Roll Tide War Eagle 30 for 30 episode. I, you know, looked at Tuscaloosa and what was it about, but until you're there, you, you don't know what you don't know. Right. And we hear that all the time. So looking back, what I wish I would have done is I wish I wish I would have said like, hey, Amy, can I talk to one of your interns? Can I talk to a GA? Can I talk to somebody who's who's in it? Right. Mm. Um, because I think I would have I would have gotten a lot more information of just how to prepare, what to expect for. So if I could offer any advice, if you're going somewhere or if you're interviewing and you're kind of curious of whether it might be a good fit or not talk to people, like get out there. Um, I, so I, I probably didn't utilize my resources as much as I could have back then. So that was, that was one thing that I wish I would have done, but I got to work, you know, I got to everyone work football. So I got to travel with them. And then I was in charge of also overseeing women's tennis, women's rowing and um, softball. And so as a former college softball player to be able to work with Alabama softball was just such a great experience and then rowing was a very new sport for me and so again I think when we're you know looking at positions figuring out you know do I really want to work with this sport or if you're afraid to work with a sport I mean I'd say try to get experience in a variety of sports because it can really really be helpful to learn new sports yeah um, and not to mention that actually one of the rowers that I worked with at Alabama is now in our HR department here at, at IMG. And so a little word of advice, like make sure you're nice to your athletes too, because you never know where they're going to end up. They might be in charge of your HR department one day. Uh, but yeah, it was, it was such a great experience. Couldn't be more grateful um, for Amy and the entire staff. And I, and I still keep in touch with a lot of people from there too. Yeah, that's amazing. I didn't realize for SNP that you applied to IMG because I forgot that was a site like for the very first one. So it's funny that, you know, you've kind of put IMG out in the air early on in your career and how it kind of came around and you've been yeah. there. How many years have you been at IMG for now? Just over five. So in December, it'll be six years. Yeah, it's been it's been quite the journey and it's it is funny how it's come full circle. Can you tell everyone what your role is at IMG? Just how many athletes you oversee your staff and just, cause it's obviously so different from, you know, collegiate pro tactical 
private practice. So can you just talk about IMG and let everyone know what goes on down there? <laughs> yeah, you bet. So IMG Academy, gosh, there is no other place like it probably in the world. It's, there's so many different levels to IMG. So I, there's myself as the head of nutrition, and then I have three other dietitians that work with me to help support the student athletes. And then probably by the time this airs, we're going to be recruiting for a fifth dietitian. So we'll have a team of five, including myself, which is really exciting. There was three when I first got here uh, back in December of 2015. And so the, we're working on growing the program. We have about 1,200 student athletes. Um, that number probably going to get to 1,400 here pretty soon. And then there's even conversations of it getting to, to 2,000. And so we have our full-time academy year. So our primary business, you could say, is uh, boarding school. So we have kids anywhere from sixth grade up through post-grad, which you can think of like your fifth year senior type athletes. So they're like 19, 20 years old. And so we've got kids anywhere from 12 to 19, 20 on campus. Uh, majority of them are boarding. So we do have dorms. Uh, we have a mix. We have both females and males on campus. It's about, gosh, I think last statistic I heard for every four males, there's one female. And so we're trying to balance out those ratios a little bit as well with getting some more female sports and then expanding some of our female sports on campus already. But we have eight different sports. Uh, so myself and the rest of the team, we split up the sports, you know, just to kind of balance numbers out. Um, but it's not like normal high school. So for example, you know, you think normal high school, you've got a varsity baseball team and maybe like a JV team and if right. your school is big enough maybe a freshman team so we have 12 baseball teams here at the academy and so for example myself and Katie Gray we split baseball and we also split tennis because there's over 200 athletes just in our baseball program and um, Emily Pace and Sean Pitcher who are also with me they split boys and girls soccer um, I don't even know how many teams there are. There's uh, got to be 20 plus teams, you know, combined. And so even though we only have eight sports, we have a lot of athletes within the sports. And basically our main role is to help support the student athletes and make sure, you know, to the best of our abilities that they're meeting their overall uh, fueling needs for not only performance, but growth and development. And that's something very unique, you know, with our situation is we're not working with fully grown adults. We're working with young student athletes. So we can get into that a little bit more. But um, in addition to the full-time boarding academy, we also have uh, camps. So I'm going to back up to like pre-COVID. Like if you have a kid and you look at any week during the entire year, you could say, okay, I want you to go to soccer camp this week. And odds are we're going to, we're going to have a camp for you or I want you to go to a football camp this week and you're gonna stay for one week or you're gonna stay for eight weeks. So, right, we're, we're coming into summer right now and we will have athletes come from all over the world for the entire summer, or they might be here just for two or three weeks. And so it's so interesting. We have such a diverse population, uh, not only from our campers, but our full-time students too. We have over 70 countries represented. Uh, some of the athletes will come here from other countries and not speak a word of English. 
And so there, there's been a time where I've done a whole session with an athlete or consult with an athlete using Google Translate. And so that was quite the experience too. Or I remember one summer doing a, a summer nutrition talk for a group and I had 10 athletes um, all playing different sports and they were all from different countries. And so it, it's such a unique environment here um, between the full-time kids, our campers. We also have adult camps. So if anyone wants to come play adult tennis or adult, you know, golf, we've, we've got those programs. And then we're also a training facility. So we'll have outside groups, pro teams, college teams, uh, corporate groups come on campus too. So, um, you know, some corporations will bring their teams for professional development and they might request a nutrition talk. Uh, so yeah, there's, there's a variety of things going on. It's, it's never dull. <laughs> it's always, it's always busy here. Don't you guys also do the combine too? Yes. So we do have an NFL combine program as well. And so that, that's probably our more intensive program. That's you, it's very similar to what you would think like a football camp to where we're with the guys, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Uh, luckily I get to typically hire on additional staff. This last year was actually one of the first years that we didn't have a combine program just with COVID and everything. Uh, but yeah, that's an exciting program too. So, you know, our staff, they, they have to be so adaptable and so flexible because you have to be able to talk to an eight-year-old golfer one yeah. second, oh and then maybe like <laughs> a 20-year-old Olympian, and then, you know, an 18-year-old linebacker. I mean, the ability to adjust your message to meet the needs of the athlete and where they are, you got to be on your toes all the time that's amazing it's super funny when you were like we have eight teams I was like that's that that's great like what a great number then you're like we have 12 baseball teams I was like never mind yeah. <laughs> like that's so different from like a collegiate setting but wow how do you so I know you said there's a like it can go all the way down to like a sixth grader as like the youngest I mean how do you motivate a 12 year old to care about what they put in their body yeah in that's actually been probably the biggest challenge for us and the staff, especially coming from like a college environment. You know, they usually have a little bit more buy-in or they're getting closer to those professional ranks to where you can provide the motivation. But yeah, to get a young student athlete who is away from mom and dad, right? Like, so you have to think of where's, where's a student athlete at mentally and physically too. I mean, if it's their first year here, they're away from mom and dad for the first time. There's 12, they're 12 or 13 years old. They're trying to figure out dorm life. It's like going to college, but you're in middle school, right? And we talk about a lot of that growth and development that happens at this age. You know, their, their prefrontal cortex where they make decisions and smart decisions, right? Like that's not there yet. And it's not going to be there for a really long time. So I think making it fun, um, talking about what they're doing at the college level can, can definitely be a motivating factor. And then, you know, just asking them, like, what are your goals? Because I think contrary to what a lot of people believe, not everybody here is going to go play division one or go pro. Oh, and, and so that's one of the reasons why we have so many teams. Like, within tennis, we have different groups. So we have, you know, I don't want to say like our lowest group, they may just be here to have a good time, get an education and stay active. Like they will straight up tell you, Jackie, I have no desire to go play tennis after high school. 
And so in that, that's how, so I think the motivation question is different for each athlete, depending on their ultimate goals. Um, so again, any dietitians out there listening who maybe don't have a lot of experience consulting with athletes or, or working with young ones is trying to figure out where they want to go. You know, what are their goals? What's their motivation? You know, some of our athletes, they're more focused on school and their goal is to get a perfect ACT score or a perfect SAT score or do just really good and, and get into, um, you know, really competitive school. And so maybe you're talking about fueling for school. Hey, are you falling asleep in class? Like, what are your energies, energy levels look like? Because half of our kids actually train in the morning and then the other half train in the afternoon. So we work very much off like a college schedule. So half of our kids will go to school from like 7.45 to 12.30, then they'll go to lunch and then they'll train for three hours a day. And then on top of that, they have strength and conditioning. And so these athletes are so busy and they're really learning valuable skills. I mean, talk about time management skills, right? Time management at 12 go. <laughs> yes, exactly. But yeah, I mean, to answer your question, I think just making it engaging is, is great. And if you can, you know, offer them some free food too, like having snacks in your bag is never, never hurtful, but yeah, part of our role is, um, you know, being out at sport, just helping support them. We can also take them through uh, the line and, and help them build their plate and just give them some of those foundations. Um, and even if they don't apply it right now, the goal is hopefully that they take that information into college, right? Because they may not be ready to change, right. but we can still give them the education that they need to apply it later on. And we have conversations as a staff all the time is we want to send our kids to colleges and have them be better equipped and better prepared in all aspects, um, you know, especially with nutrition. But you know, we're very fortunate here to have a great interdisciplinary team. So I work with a team of mental conditioning coaches, athletic trainers. We've got sports scientists, strength and conditioning, um, athletic trainers, you know, the, the whole gamut. We even have a leadership department that helps our kids with character and, you know, how to work as a team. Because a lot of these kids, you know, especially if they're in an individual sport, may not know how to work well with others. And so, they're learning a lot of, of great life skills. And so hopefully we're setting them up for success uh, later on in life too. Yeah. You make a good point about probably at any level that you're with an athlete, like really just focusing on what their goals are. And, you know, that's a way that maybe you're going to motivate a sixth grader, but also, you know, a freshman in college, you know, it could be the same thing, just asking like what their interests are to help get buy-in. So I think that's kind of cool that maybe across the board, it's the same. It just might feel really different because free food, you're getting the same buy-in probably from a sixth grader and a senior in college. A hundred percent. Yep. The, everyone loves uh, a good free handout, right? Oh, geez. All right. So your, your career has taken you a lot of places. I guess a question that I wanted to ask you was, have there been any doubters or anyone that has... I don't know, made you feel like, you know, don't go this path or just any situation that has challenged you and you have any advice there for anyone that feels doubted? Yeah, that, that's a great, great question. Um, you know, I, I was very fortunate to have my parents support us as I was making that transition. I think, I mean, if I'm being honest, the biggest doubter I think was myself at times, like, 
am I ready for this position? Like I said, this was my very first, this is my first full-time salaried position. And sometimes that's hard for me to believe because I, I did get so many other experiences prior to this, but never one like this. So, I mean, if, if you've got somebody that's doubting you, I think sometimes you have to just take that leap of faith, right? You have to, you have to have confidence in yourself and you've got to, you've got to like just face the fear and, and go anyway. Um, and I think knowing your priorities, like knowing what you value, if it's important to you, you're going to find a way, right? Like even if people are doubting you, I mean, if somebody, I don't know about you, but I'm the type of person, if someone tells me I can't do something, they're like, okay, game on, right? Like, let, yeah, let's go. Yeah. Let's, <laughs> let's go. And I don't know that maybe that's just the former athlete in me. Um, and the, you know, the competitiveness comes out, but I'd say the biggest doubters too, are just some of the, some of that noise I was hearing early on after I was coming out of business finance of you shouldn't do this, right? You're not going to make as much money. Um, you know, just go right into business. Do you really want to go to school? It's going to be really expensive, but I knew in my heart, this is something that I wanted. Um, and so, yeah, you just, you got to go after it. The, every, there's always going to, there's always going to be doubters, right? That's a really good point. It's so true. You're your own biggest obstacle. Like I think mm -hmm. usually you're your own biggest doubter, not because you're trying to be, but I think, especially when you're younger, you kind of let the noises come in too much because maybe it's the first time you're hearing them, but it, it's your choice, whether you want to believe those things or like you're saying, follow your passion. Cause if, if you're supposed to be somewhere, you'll, you'll find yourself, you know, where you're supposed to be. Yeah, definitely. All right. Best advice in your career up until this point. Oh gosh. Um, best advice. So I remember, I remember during my dietetic internship, uh, actually, you know, working with Kim Terrapelli, we got, they said, we got four days with a sports dietitian during my DI. And you better believe I looked forward to those four days oh my God, so more than anything else, because, you know, I definitely appreciate the, the food service and the clinical side. Um, we had a lot of community rotations, but man, that sports nutrition rotation was on my calendar and it was highlighted. And just working with her, it's something that stuck out in my mind was you have to meet the athlete where they are and then take them to the next level. Kind of like what we were talking about. You can't have your own agenda. You have to figure out where they're at with their nutrition and where you can take them um, because they may want to go a completely different direction than you. And you have to try to meet them halfway, right? So for example, if you know, I want you to eat three meals and three snacks per day, and you're not even getting in two full meals. I can't expect you to eat six times when you're only eating two meals right now. And I think from like working with an athlete standpoint, that's probably one of the biggest um, pieces of, of advice that I've received is just make sure you're, you meet the athlete where they're at, and then try to take them to that next level. I think as a manager, um, the best advice I got was identify your priorities and set boundaries. You've like my, my former director here, um, he would always use the metaphor, the rocks, the stones and the sand. I don't know if anyone's heard that before, but um, you, can, you can look it up on YouTube. 
it's, I think it's titled like a valuable lesson for a happier life. And it's this professor who is in front of a classroom and uses the metaphor of putting rocks, stones, and sands in, in sand in a jar and how that relates to life. And basically the rocks are the most important things, right? Those are what you value the most. And then you've got the stones, which are a little bit smaller, not quite as high value. And then you've got the sand and, and that's how you want to fill your jar. And that's how you want to fill your life. And it really helps you identify, you know, what's important to you and, and what maybe needs to get done right now. Right. Like mm. you don't want to fill it with sand first because there's not going to be any room for the rocks and um, the stones. And so I think that for me has been a really great illustration and helped me identify my priorities. And I always go back to that. I'll, I'll rewatch it. I've probably watched it, you know, 10, 20 times when things are tough and I'm questioning, like, am I doing the right thing? And it just brings you back to your values and your goals and your priorities. And, and that's, that's some of the best advice is you have to figure out what you want to get out of life because um, right. It's short, right. We only get one shot and, uh, just knowing who you are and who you want to be is, is really, really important. And I think the values and priorities is so important. I've never heard that before. I like that. No, yeah. You, you should look it up. Um, okay. I think it is a, a valuable lesson for a happier life. Okay. Um, and then another one good too, is if you've ever heard the jelly bean analogy. So it's like the time you have in jelly beans. It, it's another YouTube video and it, it talks about, you know, how much time we have and how are we going to spend our jelly beans? I'm going to go find that right now. Yeah, it, it's great. And I mean, it, it might be a little just sad because it puts some things into perspective of, of how short life really is. But again, if you're kind of questioning what you're doing, go watch that and it'll, it'll really help give you some perspective too. And, and I don't know if this is um, advice I necessarily receive, but if I were to give advice to new dietitians out there, I'd say, um, you know, try to be more curious over critical. I think sometimes we, we tend to judge a lot, like why, why did the strength coach say this? Or why is it this way at my facility? Or why did they do this? there's a reason, right? Like, so don't assume, like, be curious, uh, find out why, like, cause I'm sure there's probably a good reason why things are being done the way they're being done. Right. And that can be said of, you know, be, be curious about what other people are doing, like how things are structured, but then also be curious when you make mistakes, when, you know, don't be too critical on yourself too. Right. I think sometimes as RDs, we tend to be a little bit perfectionism or we have, you know, yeah. perfectionist. So um, I think you've got to also be more curious about why did I do that? Like what, what triggered that? Um, so I think having a, a high EQ, you know, be yes. an observer, I love be that. an observer. I think sometimes, especially when we're in new roles, we, we've got to fix, like we go into fix mode, like this is wrong and this is wrong, but be an observer and then try to get curious of why things are happening and go talk to people, like figure out what's been done, what works. If you're frustrated with your manager about something, like ask why it's being done and not in like a critical voice, but more curious, because I want to better understand why you're doing this. And maybe it's not a rock, right? Maybe it's not a rock at this time. Maybe it's 
a stone and maybe they don't like it either, but that's not a, like, like Lauren Link said, maybe that's not a hill that they're willing to die on right now. Right. Maybe they've got a bigger mountain to climb. And so I think, again, trying to, to be more curious over critical and just be an observer and have a really high EQ. I love it. Stay curious kids. All right. Ready for the rapid fire round? Yes, let's go. One of the best parts of the podcast. All right. If you had to choose ocean or pool. Pool. Oh, I, I don't, I'm terrified. Like I have a fear of getting bit like by oh. a sting, stingray and sharks. I don't okay. know. I watch too many shark week stuff. Like I, I'll take a pool. Definitely. <laughs> All right. If you had to choose appetizer or dessert. Dessert. What would you I choose? Ooh, I mean, I, I love ice, ice cream, Ooh. cookies and ice cream are my go-to. Um, what is something you ate as a child food combo that you would never eat today? Maybe you even just talked about it earlier, but. Oh my gosh. So first thing that comes to mind is, I don't know, I might still eat this today. I probably would, but mac and cheese and hot dogs. Oh yeah. That's such like, a is that, thing. Yeah. I've, I've heard that is like, I've told some people that and they're like, what, who puts hot dogs in mac and cheese? No, that was a thing. So yeah. And I don't know yeah. if it's like a Midwest so, thing because my no, parents not. grew up, but people have given me some weird looks when I tell them that. What's your go-to quote? Oh, my go-to quote. Oh gosh. It's gotta be a smooth sea. Never made a skilled sailor. Ooh. Tell yeah. us and I think that's something looking back to is sometimes you just, you have to embrace the struggle. Um, you know, even when it's challenging, just embrace it because like I said, a smooth sea never made a skilled sailor and we've all got to learn to adjust the sails and it's part of the learning process. And at times it's not fun, but you have to know that you're going to get through it and it, it's helping prepare you for your next step or that next challenge or when a similar challenge arises, knowing how to adjust those cells a little bit better, a little bit quicker is really going to pay off in the long run. I agree. All right. Is, yeah. it, is it niche or niche? Oh my gosh. I was actually thinking about that this morning. That's so funny that you asked that question. Uh, it's like, what if that comes up? Maybe I should know how to say that. Really? Yeah, well, it's been yeah. coming up for me too, but you go first and then I'll tell you what I think. I'm going to say niche. Yeah, that's what I think. I think when I was younger, I thought it was niche. And then I heard someone professionally say niche and I was like, ooh. But then recently I feel like I heard someone say niche that was like, had a lot of experience. And I was like, oh, maybe it's not. Either or, right? <laughs> All right, if you had to choose French toast, pancakes, or waffles, which one would you choose? Hands down waffles. Love, love waffles. Last question, are you ready? Yep. If you could tell your younger Artie self one thing, what would you say? I would say, well, probably two things. Like new RD Jackie, I would tell her to feel the fear and do it anyway. Kind of like we were talking about. You just, you just got to go. I think I just knowing myself and who I was as a really new RD is I was scared to take risks. And it's almost that paralysis by analysis, right? You, I'm an overthinker. I mean, that's just something I've done my whole life. I overthink everything and then you don't make a decision. And that's almost worse than 
not making a decision at all. So if I were to tell my new RD self something, I'd say just face the fear, have courage, and just, just go and make a decision. Uh, I think as a new manager, give yourself some grace. You're just trying to do the best you can. Um, again, going back to being curious over critical, I think I was really tough on myself because I knew this was my first time as a manager managing a department that I internalized a lot of that. So I think just give yourself some grace. And if you're having challenges, like reach out to somebody. I mean, this, this profession is so helpful and we all get into this field because we want to help one another. Don't feel like you're a burden because you're not. We, we've been there and we want to help and we want to give back. I agree. Reach out and feel, feel fear and do it anyway. Yep. Let's go. Well, Jackie, thanks so much for being on today. It was so fun having you on and catching up and have a great rest of your week. Yeah. Thanks, Liz. It's been uh, fun chatting and enjoy the rest of your week too. Bye, Jackie. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to this episode on Sports Artie Snippets. I hope you found our conversation helpful today. If you haven't already, make sure you subscribe to the podcast on Apple or Spotify. Share the podcast or tell another sports RD to be or sports dietitian about it. If you can rate and review the podcast, it really helps the show and is much appreciated. Remember to follow along on Instagram at Sports RD Snippets to see what Sports RD guest is featured each week. I'm super excited to bring on my upcoming guests, so stay tuned. I'm Liz Waluka, and thanks so much for listening. Hi, everyone. Thank you again for listening to today's episode. I wanted to remind you that this episode is sponsored by Momentus. If you'd like to try their plant-based proteins or any of their products as an RD Snippet listener, you can get free samples from their team. Just visit livemomentous.com slash professional dash team, scroll all the way down to submit your email, and they'll get back to you with free samples and any info on their products. Again, that's livemomentous.com slash professional dash team. Thanks so much, and I'll be back in two weeks.